0: Good morning, it's 8.30 on Tuesday, November 9th, 8th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, it's Election Day, and all four of Mississippi's House seats are on the ballot. We hear from the state's GOP chairman on the outlook for the midterms. Then the vice chair of Mississippi's Democratic Collective says the party can beat the odds, plus part two of our conversation with Mark McArthur on the social changes youth face in Mississippi's black communities. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. It's election day in Mississippi. Polls opened at 7 this morning across the state. On the ballot this year are a slew of local judge races for chancery and circuit benches, as well as school board seats. But the headliner of this November is the congressional midterm election. Mississippi enters the midterm with three incumbents seeking re election, two of whom are Republicans. The party currently holds three of the state's four seats in the House. And state GOP chairman Frank Bordeaux says he doesn't think that will change. As he tells our Lacey Alexander, he believes Republican policies will attract support at the polls.
1: There's a lot at stake right now. Uh, you know, we we have an opportunity to uh, change the course of the failed liberal policies that we've seen across the country. Uh, we we believe if. Uh, parents should have rights when it comes to the classroom we believe that uh that we should be able to feel safe in our communities um and that's that's every community in mississippi and across our country um and so i think that you're seeing motivated voters uh show up to the polls uh independents and democrats that are voting for republicans in this election because the economy because of their family sake because uh they go to the grocery store and they pump their gas and they see what's going on, and they want a new direction. And uh, right now, the the uh, the populace is going towards the Republican Party, and we're excited to see that.
2: As the chairman of your respective party, give me kind of some insight into the party's morale right now. Are things confident around the office? Do you see some any kind of anxiety around this time?
1: I think everybody's very confident. Uh, There's not a whole lot of uh, people in the office. They're all out in the field working, and uh, we're excited about that. Uh, We have people in all four congressional districts out working. We actually have a lot of uh, volunteers over in Georgia uh, making phone calls and knocking doors, and so we're excited to see that we're able to contribute outside of our borders. And, you know, we got a lot of work to do between now and Tuesday, and and we're going to be doing that work.
2: And as someone who has a leadership in Republicanism, who has a big stake in this political movement, tell me in your personal opinion why you think Mississippi voters are so drawn to the Republican ticket. Mississippi's been a red state for a while. What are the policies? What is the Republican Party doing right to get the support of Mississippians?
1: I think our values that we hold and our principles that we hold in the Mississippi Republican Party are Mississippi values. but When it comes down to it, we believe uh, and family. We believe in hard work. We believe that there's not a dollar that government has that they haven't taken from uh, hard working Mississippians and that, uh, that those dollars need to be spent wisely or given back to the people. And I, I think that, you're, that Mississippians agree with that. Um, and so that's why you're going to see more and more Mississippians join our party and join the ranks. And you're seeing it every day. We're, I see it every day and I'm encouraged by it.
2: What is something that you hope both parties can work on to accomplish uh, in this uh, election cycle?
1: Well, I think that you've seen uh, in the last couple of days the the bipartisan work when it came to uh, unbelievable economic development project that the governor brought to the legislature in their uh, special session. I think that you'll continue to see bipartisan work when it comes to economic development in our state. And it really sends a sign to folks across the country that are looking to put a business, and we are bipartisan when it comes to economic development. We are open for business, and that was exciting to see uh, the hard work of our uh, governor and our legislature uh, come together uh, when it, as it relates to that project.
2: Gotcha. And why, why do you think both sides agree so much on that? What is in that sort of economic development that really speaks to both parties, do you think?
1: Jobs. You know, I think that it's pretty simple uh mississippi knows is our mississippi knows that it's our time uh to to shine and we're, we're going to continue to grow jobs uh we've over the past uh couple years three years we've had a really good track record of attracting good business or growing existing business in mississippi and we're seeing better and better jobs coming to all communities and that helps all mississippians it doesn't matter if it's in harrison county or uh Lowndes county or lauderdale county uh it Uh, A a new job is a great thing for our state, and I think that you don't have to be a Republican or Democrat to know that that's good. But the policies that brought them here are good conservative policies.
2: All right. Well, Frank Bordeaux, chairman of the Republican
0: Party in the state of Mississippi, thank you so much for making time for us during this very busy time.
1: Thank you for what y'all do.
0: Republican incumbents Trent Kelly and Michael Guest are up for re-election in the 1st and 3rd districts, respectively. Sheriff Mike Izell challenged incumbent Stephen Palazzo in the Republican primary and won the party's nomination in the 4th district. Republican Brian Flowers is challenging Democrat Benny Thompson in the 2nd congressional district. Coming up, the vice chair of Mississippi's Democratic Collective says the party can beat the odds. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The U.S. and the Holocaust documentary started a conversation about our country's role in a dark passage of human history, inviting us to consider how world events might shape or reveal our national character. Continue the conversation with us on November 15th at our virtual screening of scenes from the U.S. and the Holocaust, followed by a panel discussion with audience Q&A. The event is free, but registration is required. Visit mpbonline.org for details and to register. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Only one congressional seat is occupied by a Mississippi Democrat, Benny Thompson, the state's longest-tenured member of the House of Representatives who took office in 1993. Recently, the party has experienced little success challenging other seats. Jody Brown is the vice chair of the state's Democratic Collective. She tells MPB's Lacey Alexander they're encouraging Democrats to show up and try to beat the odds.
3: We're devoted to all of our candidates and we have faith in all of our candidates. So uh, we believe all of them have the chance to pull off something miraculous. You know, At the same time, we're we understand it's an uphill battle but we're cautiously optimistic. I just got out of a, um, excuse me, a a conference call with President Biden, and he said, quite frankly, I think we're going to shock the devil out of some people tomorrow. And so we, we are very cautiously optimistic. But at the same time, you know, we realize this is a race where every vote counts. And you know, the president said very clearly to all of us state party leaders that We're not going to be able to stop until the last poll closes. So we're taking this work very seriously.
2: Jody, Mississippi is such a strong red state and polls are lending to a few uh, Republicans in certain races right now. There are a lot of less conservative voters in the state that maybe don't feel as motivated to get out and vote. What is your message to people who maybe think the midterms don't matter or maybe think their vote doesn't count in this midterm election?
3: Well, I would say this is your chance to make your voice heard to everyone in Mississippi and to everyone in the nation. Um, I, I saw a great comparison the other day that said, we play the lottery knowing how small our chances are. But of course, you know, when we all get out together and vote, look at how much we increase our chances. You know, um, this, our vote is its what our founding fathers intended to, to be our voice. And so many people have sacrificed so much when I think about everyone from You know, the early suffragettes in the late 1800s and early 1900s, all the way to John Lewis, who passed away not so long ago. And I think about everything they've done to make sure we all have the right to vote. You know, this is the least we can do is to band together and make our voice heard.
2: Oh, something else that I really wanted to ask is what are some platforms or some really interesting points that these Democratic candidates are running on that you particularly are excited about or support pretty heavily?
3: Well, I think a lot of it is just the fact that how interested we are in working in a bipartisan fashion. Um, you know, this current Congress has really accomplished a lot across the aisle, even though it doesn't get that much of attention. We have things like the Infrastructure Law that was passed, the Safe Communities Act that was passed, the Pact Act that was passed, the Chips Act. All of those were bipartisan victories, and I think all of our candidates that we have will do a great job in continuing that bipartisan effort when they get to Congress. But then, of course, you know, there's also several things that Democrats are focused on right now, like, of course, uh, women's health care. We've been very direct in emphasizing to women and their families that they are the ones that have the chance, that should have the decisions, they should be allowed to make their own decisions about Healthcare care and not politicians, um, education is another. And the Republican Party is just really politicizing education, and, and the Democratic Party wants to invest in education. We want to stand by teachers and uh, know that they're supported and give them the things they need, like smaller classrooms and more resources. We want parents to know how much we support them and their efforts to make sure their children have a quality public school experience so I think you yeah, know those are those are really what I would say are the top issues that I see
2: um, one last question for you before I let you go with the rest of your day um, how does the how do the Mississippi Democrats prepare for a big election like this um, do you see a lot of people in your party um, out in the field campaigning um, does most of it happen in, in meetings in the big building on the side of the interstate where the Mississippi Democrats are tell me Paint a picture for me, if you will, on what y'all's preparation looks like on the eve of midterm elections.
3: We're absolutely a grassroots organization. Uh, The Mississippi Democratic Party was never built to be the kind of organization where we have these kind of silent figureheads at the top. I say silent figureheads at the top, but we were never built to be the kind of organization with these figureheads at the top that give orders Down. We were always meant to be focused on the grassroots, and that's where our work is done, and that's where the momentum is that I see. We're not focused on trying to get people to us, but go to them. And that's been our our
2: campaign strategy this election cycle. Jody Brown, Vice Chair of the Mississippi Democratic Party, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to chat with us.
0: Thank you. I appreciate you asking me on. Democrats are candidates in three Republican-held districts. Diane Black in the 1st District, Shrewosky Young in the 3rd, and former Hattiesburg Mayor Johnny Dupree is running for the open seat in the 4th District. Polls are currently open and will stay open until 7 tonight. Voters in Mississippi are required to present picture IDs when casting their ballots. Coming up, part two of our conversation with Mark MacArthur on the social changes youth face in Mississippi's black communities. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
4: Hi, Larry Morrissey with the Arts Commission, reminding you to tune in for the Arts Hour. We have in-depth conversations with Mississippi artists, writers, musicians, and other creatives. The Mississippi Arts Hour, every Sunday at 5 on MPB Radio,
0: or download it as a podcast. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Mark MacArthur is a retired Marine who came back to his hometown of Jackson to care for his ailing mother. Upon his return, he observed a number of cracks in his community and began making it his mission to engage and support young black boys in need of guidance. In part two of our conversation, MacArthur examines the roots of the issue and the path to resolution.
4: There are so many factors that contribute to why these young men are doing the things that they do um, and it's sort of a, like a, a five headed dragon and you have to tackle it from so many different angles uh, I think that there has been a breakdown in the moral fabric of um, society as a whole uh, a lot of things that contribute to that is cultural things uh, or a a subcultural effect that places no value on human life. Uh, The things that you and I probably grew up with aren't relevant nowadays. And somehow that has been taken from us as a black community and turned into something else um, through what we covet, what we see every day, uh, examples that we see on television. Uh, and I'm not saying that media and television is is the, the sole root of what what's going on. Uh, there seems to be a complete collapse of not just in the black community, but the moral fabric of of what this country was supposedly based upon.
0: I know that we have many more female-headed households where there is no father in the house, uh, and also. Um, In some instances where children are raising their siblings, how do we move forward in the midst of what you're calling, you know, the breakdown of family life and the fabric of society? Is there a way to bring black males to a place where they can survive and, and be contributing members of society effectively?
4: I'm so glad you asked that. You are absolutely right. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of women, I was raised by a strong black mother. Um, There were eight of us. I was the last. But there was a definite, and you've heard this term many, many times, you know, it takes a village to raise a kid. There was a definite impact that was had on every young black man by black men in that neighborhood. You can call it a village, uh, whatever term term you want on it. But there were positive role models. And when I mean role models, there were city workers. There were garbage men. There were barbers. uh, barbers. There were men that we have seen to have lowered in uh, societal standards uh, that basically were the backbone of the neighborhood. So even though I was brought up without a father, I had very there were a lot of role models that taught us uh the golden rule outside of what your what, what your mother taught at home. And I think that breakdown is what we need to get back to. But this is the problem that I see. If we correct a child, regardless of the age, there's pushback from that parent. We see it in the schools where a lot of powers from the uh of the teachers have been taken away. Uh, my niece is a prime example. She was a teacher and there were so many things that she couldn't do where a child would literally cuss her out and there was nothing she could do. Uh, if you can't raise the kid at home, cause there have been powers taken away from parents, if you can't raise the kid at home, if you can't raise them at school, who do you think raises him? or who do you think has the most impact on an impressionable mind? the things that they see, uh, the music that they listen to.
0: So they're kind Those of out back, here kind of just freestyling then. They really are. Uh,
4: you, you just said it, you know, there are kids that are siblings that are raising their, their younger siblings. Uh, if black men in particular do not step in and take an active role in their communities, um, It's going to get worse before it gets better. Uh, The reason you and I are on the phone is uh, you you reached out to Zakia Summers. Uh, Neighborhoods, uh, especially led by some of the churches in in these neighborhoods, are beginning to step in and say, hey, we need to do something, and it has to be very active. There is no quick fix to this. Uh, It's going to take uh, a number of years to, to correct and fight against what we're dealing with is particularly in the back uh, in the black community um mass incarceration uh criminal justice system has done a grave injustice to the black community and and that's not something that's that's not a secret you know a wide open uh, secret that's 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 a very real thing that everybody knows. Um,
0: One thing that's been said is that there hasn't been federal and state investment put into urban areas. Areas where there are uh, a plethora of low-income families that provide resources, opportunities for youth to do other things. Uh, in Jackson, there, you hear there isn't much for kids to do. Are you fine? Do you think if they had more things to do, that it would make a difference, or would it just be more places to end up fighting?
4: This is my personal belief. I think that there will be more places to end up fighting. There's something that we have to fix first. If I make a billion dollar complex for kids to go in and do something, and I'm not being a Debbie Downer on this, how will they behave when they get in there? It's going to be a problem. If we don't tackle the moral character issues, we're going to continuously have these issues. So whatever funding comes into Jackson, whatever funding comes into any underserved community, it has to come with the building blocks of being financial financial literacy, being a uh, an effective parent.
0: At this point, I know there's no one answer. We, you know, experts have said that there's no one answer to this problem, but to begin to tackle it, you're working with a church that's going to establish a school, and you're also working with kids in your community to mentor them. It sounds like this needs to happen on a wholesale scale to have real, extensive, or some real outreach impact. Would that be mm-hmm. correct?
4: Absolutely. Um, The thing that we have to tackle is a healthy male masculinity. There's nothing wrong with being uh, masculine or taking on the role of, 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 you know, a healthy male masculinity. Uh, But there comes a point to where you have to be able, I think, Carl Jung, you know, the professor Carl Jung or the psychiatrist, psychologist Carl Jung said that uh, he has a theory of taming the bull. The object is to tame yourself. Uh, It's okay to be masculine, it's okay to be um, a defender, but that has gone off course to where it it turns out uh, fighting and and, and killing over arguments that should never even been an argument. That can be influenced and taught to young men Then we could be on to something and it does need to be a wholesale effort. And when I when I say that, it is not just one entity that's responsible for doing it. The community has to be involved as well.
0: Um well the community's scared of the kids.
4: They are. They are. That's why I say young men, black men, it's time for us to step up. we, we we've kinda of gone away from respectable men that are doing the right thing when i grew up there weren't very many college graduates in my neighborhood but they were good men they talked to you and when you have a collective of those men then it starts to catch on and then you start to develop qualities that you push down to your younger brothers your 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 friends your neighbors these are my opinions and I'm 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 being honest and i think that that's what we need to do. We need to start being honest with each other and looking at each other in the mirror and saying, what things do we need to fix on our own, collectively.
0: Again, Mark McArthur, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us and giving your perspective on a range of issues affecting Black youth, not only locally, but nationally. Thank you. Thank you. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.